Show. Your home for Southeast Motorsports coverage. Here's your host, Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Lead Lap Show. I'm Tom Baker, and joining me on the Lead Lap Show this week from the WSIC studio in Statesville, North Carolina, we go to the phone line and bring in a driver who um, is actually from Virginia. And this young man has been in Europe much of this year, running in the uh, F3 series over there. And unfortunately, he had a, a slight injury, and so uh, he's had to miss some races. He's back home in Virginia, and we are happy to bring him back on the show for the second time. Hunter Yaney is with us on the phone, and uh, we're going to talk with Hunter about uh, his time in Europe and what's going on there in his career and just really uh, let you get to know what um, what a struggle it can be, frankly, to uh, go uh, across continent like that and um, and and take on the European racers. We're glad to have him back. Hunter Yaney, welcome back to the show. It's good to talk with you again. Hello. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for inviting me back on the show. Absolutely. It's great to have you. Now, I guess we should start by explaining uh, or following up on a few of the things I just explained. So um, you actually, and we'll do a little bit of a deep dive back uh, through your career here, but um, you were running here in America with uh, USF4, and then um, this year you went over to uh, Europe to take on the F3 uh, series over there. I believe I have that right. Um, so, and you, you ended up uh, having a bit of an injury. Tell, tell us about what happened. All right. So basically what happened was I was racing in Austria and it was in race one and there was a driver on my inside and the steering wheel was really heavy in this car too. So that's kind of like what made my injury happen is, uh, the guy on my inside just touched my front right tire um, it jerked the wheel out of my hand and made it kind of just spin really fast, kind of as if you like you hit a wall. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and then it just snapped one of the bones in my wrist. Ooh, ouch! Yeah. Okay, so uh, you've had to be out of the car for a while, but uh, it seems like you're uh, on the mend. What is the timetable for you to possibly get back over there and get back into the racing world over there for uh, for the rest of the season? Um, I'm shooting to get back at, uh, for Monza. We were trying to get back for Spa and Zandvoort, but, um, but the doctor said it would be kind of like a close call because it's like just now like getting healed, like getting back better. Okay. And the real time it takes to heal is like, I don't know, I think it was like eight to 12, eight to 12 weeks and we would have been going back at like four weeks of healing. Oh, okay. So that's like really, really cutting it close. Because if something happened there, then it could have hurt it bad, and then it had been like ten to twenty weeks, or like fifteen to twenty weeks. But yeah, and that had been like my whole off season. So we were just trying to like take that part easy, and then go back at Monza when it's fully healed. Well, now for those who don't know Hunter, he is a really active kid. When when he's not racing. He's not sitting around wasting his time. He spends a lot of time doing eye racing and uh, spends a lot of time in the water. Um, talk about uh, kind of the whole surf surfing and um, you know just uh, all of the water activities because you really seem to connect with that. It seems like more than just a pastime for you. Yeah, I would say 
my main my main hobby would be surfing. I'm not a very good shortboarder. I don't really know why. I guess I'm just not very good with the balance. But I really, really like longboarding. I just got a new longboard this summer, and it's my first fiberglass longboard. So it's it's pretty nice. Oh wow! And that, yeah, and that's mainly what I do most of the time, other than working out. And I just do it when I have time. So, um, all right, let's let's go back for a bit because um, you're how old now? Are you 16 or have you turned 17? I just turned 17 in May. That's what I thought. Okay, so 17 years old, and it's a it's a tough road to get to Europe at 17 years old. Um, and there's a lot of things we can unpack there, but uh, we'll get to that. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. What got you interested in racing, and how old were you? I was nine when I first got into go-karting, um, but my passion for racing has been, like, ever since I can remember. Like, I've just, like, played with matchboxes since I was really little, like, just watched cars on TV every single night. And, yeah, so basically, like, my passion for cars in general has been as long as I can remember. But I started in go-karts at nine. I did that for a couple of years, and when I was 13... I moved up to cars, and I started practicing in the F4 car. And then I uh, did a year of practice in that, and then went to F4 in 2020, won the championship. The next year, I kind of did a few different series. I did um, the Formula Regional Americas Championship, Indy Pro, um, one British F3 race, and then uh, two FIA F3 races. Okay, and it's the FIA F3 that you're running now, correct? Yeah. So what led you to move over there? Where, First of all, where are you based out of over there? And then talk a little bit about what that decision was like, because that's not a small decision to make at 17 years old. Yeah. My goal has always been really to, to go to Europe, because there, um, there have been some other American drivers that have gone over, but I just really wanted to try it out for myself. Um. It is a little bit hard being over there, uh, just because, like, some language barriers and, like, other things. Oh, right. Yeah. But, yeah, but the place I'm based out of over there is usually, like, around Valencia, Spain. Oh, because, okay. Because you know, Campos, the team I'm with, is in a little town outside of Valencia. So I mainly spend most of my time there when I'm in Spain. Now... I know that your dad has been over there for a big part of it, um, the time that you were there. But, um, I mean, are are you spending any time basically by yourself over there now? Or, or are you still having uh, one or the other of your parents there with you? Um, I haven't gone over by myself yet. I think I was going to go over by myself because my dad had something to do. But then that changed and he got to go with me. So I haven't been over there by myself yet. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a lot to be that far away. Yeah. It's one thing to be yeah, it's one thing to yeah. be some other state or something uh for a little while, but it's a whole other thing to be you know, to be over in Spain like that. Yeah, in another country, it's a whole different animal. Yeah, what I mean, what's been the biggest challenge for you? I mean, you mentioned the language barrier. You you got that that series races in a number of different countries. I would imagine that you kind of get uh, you know, get crossed up with a number of different languages, right? Yeah, there's a lot of, I've tried, let's just put it this way, I've, I've tried to learn Spanish for like four or five years now, and it's still, I've still never really put a sentence together, so 
that's kind of hard. And then when I go over there, sometimes <laughs> uh, with my engineer, I'll pick up some little words that he says that I understand. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, that means shoes. But this <laughs> time they're speaking so fast, they're like, blah, 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 blah. so I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I can't keep up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you need to do one of those like Rosetta Stone courses or something online that uh, teaches you Spanish while you sleep. You just got to be careful yeah. that, uh, you know, the record doesn't skip because then you'll only know how to stutter in Spanish. Um, yeah. But uh, I imagine what are some of the other challenges that you that you have to face being over there? We'll get to the level of competition because I know that's a big thing. But, you know, what yeah, are some of the other yeah. kind of off track challenges that you have? Um, so we'll start with me going over there. So we usually, we usually have to go over there compared to Europeans. We have to go over there about in a week early to when the race starts because we need to get acclimated to the time. Okay. So yeah, we have to spend a week over there. It's a seven hour flight over usually. And then you just kind of, you really don't do much when you get over there. You just kind of like sit, sit around for a couple of days and you're just thinking at, at that point you're just like man i could be like home right now and just like hanging out or doing something else doing something yeah. productive but instead i'm sitting over here doing nothing and then um the racing part is really fun like the racing part is like your brain is just on race mode but it's the times where like in between that it gets really hard and really boring and really lonely so, because I'm a pretty social person, I like being around my friends a lot, I like being around my family. Yeah. And the times when you just gotta, like, sit over there and do nothing, and, you know, you have, like, a week and a half to your next test, so you, you don't have enough time to go home, but you have to stay, you're just like, oh, man. So how do you, we got about a minute, how do you keep yourself occupied in those hours? Um, usually I'll, I had one friend go over with me, so... I hung out with him a little bit. I usually hang out with my dad. We live really close to a beach, so sometimes we go outside. Oh, there the you beach. go. Yeah. There wasn't really many waves, though, usually, so was, there wasn't many surfing. I only got I only went surfing, I think, like once. But Wow. Uh, I brought my skateboard with me. I bring my skateboard pretty much everywhere, so, <laughs> um, yeah. So I skate around. There's a nice boardwalk right there, right at the front of our apartment. That's not dangerous or anything, is it? I mean, <laughs> you broke your wrist in a race car. Yeah. <laughs> skateboarding, and, skateboarding and professional sports does not mix very well, so I don't do any tricks or anything. I just like to ride it, just <laughs> to cruise around pretty much. You did a uh, really funny video after you got hurt about, uh, you know, where you, you know, here's how my, here's how my week's been going. And and then it's, you know, you'd bring out the skateboard. Mom says, no, you, you know, you're doing all these, trying to do yeah. all these activities. Can't get in the pool. Can't, can't I race because you can't drive yet. And it was, that was a really funny video. Um, and that must have killed you because I know you're a very active kid. So, um, I'm sure that was, uh, that was a real struggle for you, but, uh, you, you've obviously made the best of it, and I see that uh, you've now gotten to a point where you can get back in the water again, so that, uh, that had to be yeah. a good thing. How long before the wrist is officially healed? we got about 10 seconds. Um, I would say probably another three weeks. Okay. Well, that's not bad. Um, you've gotten this far. I guess three more weeks uh, won't be too bad for you. We are going to step aside for a minute, but uh, we're going to keep Hunter on the line. Talk more to Hunter Yaney on League Lap right after this.
Hey guys, this is Nathan Bird, a.k.a. Birdman, and you're listening to Lead Lap Radio. Welcome back to Lead Lap. As we continue with uh, 17-year-old Hunter Yaney, a driver who is... Um, He's, he actually started in go-karts, ran with the USF4 Open Wheel Series for a little while, drove for Velocity Racing Development, who's produced a number of very talented drivers. And uh, we'll talk a bit about that in this segment with Hunter. Um, and then uh, now he's over in Europe. He's back home here just recuperating from a racing injury that he had to his wrist. But um, about a month or so, he'll probably be back over there and uh, back in the saddle again. So, Hunter, um, it's kind of interesting because the Velocity Racing Development team, um, more or less, was basically built around you. Uh, am I right about that? That was kind of your your entry into USF4 was was um, your your dad and I think some other folks basically created VRD. Is that right? Yeah, my dad and uh, a great guy named Dan Mitchell, they put VRD together, and I was the first one to start testing in their car. Uh, and it was really just to get me started in, like, lower formula cars and just being familiar with the car and getting through my first rank. And... Um, the lower formula series. What was that like coming out of the go-kart into the USF four car? That had to be a huge adjustment. I mean, not so much necessarily, I guess, you know, I would think the speed would be kind of relative, but you're, you're driving a much more powerful car and obviously a much bigger car at that point. What was that like for you at such a young age at 13? Um, it was, it was pretty cool. I remember like, the night before, I couldn't really sleep because I was super excited. I was like feeling a lot of <laughs> things. I was like, yeah, I was like a little bit nervous, a little bit excited. I was really excited, and then, um, uh, and then I just couldn't really sleep the night before. I got in the car the next day, and it took me about like twenty times to get the clutch right every time I pulled out. <laughs> and then I was—I remember my thought process actually pretty clearly on my first lap. It, we were testing at a place called Roebling Road in Savannah, Georgia, and I think it's, yeah, I think it's in Savannah, Georgia. Yeah. But, um, we were—I remember I came around the last corner and I was like, "Man, this is just like eye racing. I can do this all day." So I go up, <laughs> I go up the gears, and I just keep going up the gears. Like, and then I'm finally I'm like top of six, and I remember Dan saying, "If you can't make this little chicane in the middle of the straight, then just go straight through it." And I remember coming up on to the chicane, and I was like, man, well, this car has downforce, so I'll just send it into the corner. So I just sent it into the corner, and the tires were still cold, and it didn't have as much downforce as I thought it did. Oh, boy. So then I spun, so then I spun and then I couldn't get the car running again. Well, I got the car running, but I didn't know how to really do anything with the gears or shift gears at that point, so I just sat there and waited for Dan to come out. And then... Uh, he was like, well, I mean, at least we know you're not scared. And I was like, yeah, I know. And he was like, yeah, but we're going to put you in timeout for 25 minutes. So I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, all right, there's the catch. <laughs> Got a little bit too uh, confident, did you? That, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you found yeah, out. it's all part of the process. That's right. Well, and you know what? Um, that's an interesting word that you used is process. And I feel like. For you, so much of this is a process. You seem to have a very almost analytical 
mind. And it it seems to me that this stuff comes to you, I don't want to say naturally, but um, you just seem to pick it up very smoothly and you seem to be very even tempered too. Um, I mean, does it, it's almost like you're, you know, it, it kind of the Iceman in, in some ways. Is that true? I mean, that's how it appears from the outside, but what's it like being inside your head there? Um, a lot of thoughts run through my head on like, not really as much on a daily basis, but over like a race weekend, I would say like maybe things I say to, um, like the media or like anything I do there, like sometimes that's not how I'm actually feeling. It's just like how you have to say things and put it up, you know? Yeah. It's all, it's all part of the thing. Like, I'll, I don't really know how to say it. Uh, it's all kind of part of the program. So you're you're having to kind of tell the media one thing, but you may be thinking another. Yeah, you might be like, yeah, I think we're like in a really good place right now. I think if we just like do this, then we'll be good. When really you're like, oh crap, like I don't think we're gonna be good. <laughs> yeah, but you're just you seem so. In general, you seem very upbeat as a person all the time. Like every every picture I see of you, you're smiling. Um, like yeah. you just seem very positive. Where does that come from? Does that one parent or another that you kind of get that from or both or like what, um, how, where do you get most of those traits from? I think really just myself. Most of my parents, both of my parents are just really, really chilled out most of the time. So like, I think I get like the chilled out from them and, uh, Really, like, music calms me down sometimes. I think music is, like, a really nice thing to listen to when you're not doing anything. What kind of music do you listen to? All of it. I listen to anything from, like, country to rock, pop to, like, 50s. Really? 50s the whole way. Yeah, 50s the whole way up to modern music, like, up to modern music. Wow. You go back to yeah, the 50s. Play- I think my playlist is, I can check right now, actually. My playlist is about... 51 hours long, I think. What songs from the 50s do you like? What do you listen um, to from that I, era? I like, I like Elvis, but mostly it's just like a lot of Elvis from the 50s, and then like some of the animals. Uh, and then mainly like 60s is where it really starts kind of like hammering down on like artists and music and stuff. 50s is like there's a little stuff there, but not as much. And then... um like, as you go up, it just gets more and more and more and more. Like, 60s, I have the Rolling Stones. I have, uh, I also have, um, I have, like, the Beatles, like, all of it, all sorts of stuff. It's it's amazing that to see someone your age or to hear someone your age that talks about liking Elvis. Um, yeah, I I, I was a, I was born in '67, so I was basically a '70s kid. By the time yeah. I had any you know sense memory of what was going on, it was in the '70s, and um, I was a huge Elvis fan. Have you ever been to Graceland? No. Oh, you should go when you get a chance. Get one of your parents or something to take you to, to Memphis to Graceland because it is an incredible experience to go through. That's that was his mansion, of course, and it's really yeah. I'll check it out. yeah I think my dad's been there. It's an incredible experience to go see, and of course, I've always said everything old eventually gets new again, and we just now we have the Elvis movie that's out. I haven't seen yeah. it. I've been told it's really good. I actually, I actually just watched that last night. It was a really good movie. Yeah, I heard it's that. Very, yeah, it's really long. Like I think it's like 
two hours and 40 minutes long. Oh, cool. Really good. Well, yeah. you know, Elvis's story is very, uh, you know, it's very uh, complex, and there's a lot to tell. Yeah. You know, he lived a lot of life in 42 years, and um, yeah, that's really cool that uh, that you go back that far with your music because. You know, I mean, I grew up as a drummer, and and I grew up on that stuff, 50s, 60s, and and big band jazz, and um, you know, and so yeah. I think it's good to be diverse because if you know, it kind of I listen to whatever suits my mood at the time. If I'm listening to Metallica, I'm probably mad at somebody, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it probably wasn't yeah, a very I, good. Day. I like a lot of. I mainly got into like I think the most recent genre I've got into is um like alternative rock like 90s rock like nirvana metallica oh wow um yeah Foo fighters like all that and then another hobby i've been trying to like pick up lately is um guitar like learning how to play guitar oh really yeah i think things like three years ago my my uncle when i was racing in california it was like the first race i ever did in f4 yeah he gave he gave me an electric guitar because i was like man i was like i really want to get a guitar sometime and he was like a guitar he likes to play guitar all the time, like back in the day. So he gave me one of his. Nice. Tuned it for me. And I was like, oh, man, that's really cool. So he gave me that. And then I I tried picking it up for a little bit. And then I couldn't, like, I just, it never got into, like, the rhythm. Yeah. And then I kind of had it in the corner a little bit. And I was like, man, I got to do something with it. So I looked up, like, on my phone, like, a lesson thing. So now I'm trying to, like, figure out how to play it. Yeah, there's, like, all kind. there's all kinds of stuff on YouTube now to to be able to follow along and, and learn guitar or keyboards, um, yeah. you know, probably about any instrument, really, I'm sure. But um, mm-hmm. I even saw something the other day where um, Metallica teaches you how to play Metallica, and I thought to myself, well, that's kind of interesting. Now we got bands yeah, actually kind of doing lessons. So, um, you know, it's uh, that's fun. Well, that's cool that uh, you're, you know, and, and again, it gives you kind of a creative outlet, when you're not driving the car, you've got some place to put all that energy that you have, and um, you know you can focus on learning the instrument and just having fun with it. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So, um, what's been your favorite track over in Europe so far? I mean, you mentioned a few tracks that are just like they are like monster tracks um zandvoort and you know different like spa i mean those are tracks that everybody who follows open wheel formula type racing knows and some some you know some of those tracks are just idolized um what is your favorite track you got about a minute um i really like spa spa is a really cool track just mainly because of like a rouge it's a super cool corner it's a really iconic corner i really enjoy that um zandvoort is a extremely physical track on your arms especially in the f3 car because of all the banking uh but it's also a really cool track like it's got a lot of characteristics to it and then monza i really like monza too because monza uh it's just a super fast track and you, re- you really get to feel the speed of the whatever car you're in there was zamvort your first track that you ran over there no, Spa was. Was Spa the first track? Because I think, didn't you race once last year over there or a couple times? Yeah, I raced at Spa and Zanfort last year. So you did run Zanfort. Uh, okay, I thought you did. Yeah. Yeah, Spa, Spa was the first track I did. It was raining the entire time, though. Oh, oh fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've uh, you've done well. We're going to uh, carry on with uh, Hunter Yaney with more conversation when we come back. But we got to step aside for a minute. We'll be back with more of the Lead Lap Show right after this. 
Welcome back to ELAP. Hunter Yaney has joined us uh, on this show, and it's been interesting catching up with Hunter. He was on with us a year or two ago as uh, I was just starting to kind of get educated about the whole USF4 series, and uh, we kind of got sidetracked in the last segment with Hunter on all of his musical preferences, but that's fun. That's uh, part of what makes radio fun. I want to go back, Hunter, with you um, and talk about VRD a little bit because we mentioned that that team was basically formed by your dad and Dan Mitchell for you. Um, you were the first to test, but since then, um, just a whole lot of really talented drivers uh, coming out of that uh, group. And I know you guys are all great friends, too. Nico Christodoulou, for example, who's a Canadian racer just now, he's over in Europe, right? Is he doing the same thing you're doing but a different team? Yeah, well, he's still on. We just started doing this thing with VRD this year where, um, like, we did a partnership with Arden. Okay. And if Arden has any drivers that want to come to the United States, they'll send them to VRD. And then if VRD has any drivers that want to go to Europe, they'll send them to Arden. Okay. That way they can do test, testing overseas or testing in America, depending on what you want. Um, Nico went to Europe this year. I think, yeah, it was like early this year and started doing British F3, or I think it's called GB3 now, Okay, uh, with Arden, but under under VRD. Okay. So how's he been yeah, doing over VRD there? VRD under Arden. My bad. How's he been doing over there? He's been doing pretty good lately. He's. He's definitely getting a feel for all of the new tracks, um, much bigger tracks, I think, than America. Are they? Other than Yeah, other than Austin. There's some tracks that are really small, like the testing tracks you do are super small, but the the main tracks you race on are really big. Like, cause I remember GB3, I know they raced Silverstone, they raced at um, uh, Spa, man, where else did they race? Uh, I know, that, and then I think they raced at, like, some other countries, like, they race in England. They race in uh, Belgium. And I think they race in one other country. Okay. And so, I mean, the level of competition over there is quite different, right? I mean, the whole sort of, um, you know, I don't want to say that, that the drivers are all better. I don't mean it like that. But it's just, it, it, it's, it seems like it's more aggressive and sort of everybody's, like, really advanced over there compared to what they are yeah. here, right? Talk about that a little bit and talk about why that's the case. Um, I'd say partially it's their weather. Like, for instance, in the rain, like, they'll all just go out in the rain and just pound laps, especially in England, exclusively for England, really. Oh, wow. But I know they'll, I know they'll just go out, they'll pound laps, they'll use, like, the entire track if it means running straight over a curb or going out wow. on ice with, with an icy track. It just gives them better cart control, give them better cart control or cart control. And, yeah, the really the first time I ever noticed that was when I went overseas and I did, like, a few karting test days at PFI. Okay. And it was really cold. It was in the winter, and there was ice on some parts of the track. And then... Oh, man. It was just extremely cold. It was, like, extremely cold conditions and, like, harsher conditions. But they still just get up and go out, pound laps the entire day. doesn't matter if it's pouring down rain and it's... 20 degrees or like sunny and super hot. Incredible. Um, and then you were talking about uh, the aggressiveness. So I would say part of that is the difference in rules. 
So in America, we have the like the one block rule. So if you move over one ton of straight to block someone behind you, you can only move over that one time. So you can't move over again. Like they try and go the other way, you can't move back straight in front of them. But in Europe, you can. You can move right, left as many times as you want. Yeah, I always thought and, that was kind of crazy. Isn't that the same way in a lot of the road race go-karting, too? I think the phrase is you can zig, but you can't zag. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. If you're the leader, you should be able to block as many times as you need to. Yeah, I yeah, I like – that's what I said earlier this season. I think I did, like, an interview with F3 earlier this season. I was saying I really like the freedom, like, the driver has to race over there. Like, yeah. You have, yeah, you have – you get to make the decisions that you want the whole time rather than having to like focus so much on the rules and what the rules say. So I think that's where that comes from. And it's also like if you're if you're not entirely up beside them, like if your front wheel isn't even with their front wheel, they'll just run you straight off the track. This is how it is. And it takes as an American it takes you uh, a little bit to get used to that and a few times of getting run off the track to get used to that. Okay. Uh but yeah, I think it's like a lot harsher over there when it comes to that part. Like, if you're on the outside, they'll just push you off. If you're in America, wow. they'll. some drivers will do the same thing if they're aggressive drivers, but um, most of the time they won't. So you think you can go over there and get, get away with it, but really that's not how it works. I mean, open wheel is not supposed to be a contact sport, so I feel like some of that, I don't know if I, if I do, like somebody just pushing somebody off the track, but, I mean, if, you know, if you know you're going to get, somebody's going to make a move on you, you should be able to move to block as long as you're not being over-aggressive with it. It's just, it's a different kind of, um, different kind of situation over there. I think, was it, um, which race was it last year? I feel like one of the two races, I know you finished like 14th last year. Which one was that? I think that was at Spa. Okay. I think that was when it, yeah, I think that was when it was wet. Okay. Yeah. And, and I mean, I feel like 14th over there is like fourth over here in a way. Is that is that accurate? Um, kind of because also we don't do. I don't think Americans do as much testing um, on the tracks over there, right? As they do in the United States. So, like, if I was running, let's just say, like, I was running Indy Pro again, like I would go. It's so easy to just go from state to state here. So you can just go and like run laps, run laps, run laps, or like sure. do test day after test day. Whereas over there, it's a lot harder. You have to like making a whole plan to go over like for a month or something and just put in a ton of laps. Whereas other kids over there can just go in and just really go whenever they want. Just like, it's like their own little States over there. Like they can just go um, and travel and it's a lot easier for them. So what's been your, get practicing. what's been your best finish over there so far? Um, I'm actually not sure. I got 14th once in Bahrain, but then I got penalized, and it got me moved back to, like, 21st, oh. I think. <laughs> what, did they yeah. get, what did they get you for? Uh, I think it was contact with another driver. Ah, after we just talked about how aggressive they are, they get you for contact. Yeah, yeah well, if they're aggressive with you, sometimes you got to be a little aggressive back. Yeah, I mean, do, do you I, – I probably should – well, I'm not going to. I was going to I was gonna ask you – if if you feel like there's there they pay more attention to the American drivers that come over there being aggressive than they do their own drivers, but I don't want to put you on the spot. Um, oh yeah, thanks. Yeah, so so I mean it, it's but that's 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 kind of rough, you know, to to have that penalty. But I guess 
you know, being penalized out of 14th isn't the end of the world. But what what do you feel like you need is your biggest challenge to being able to get up front and race for wins over there? What do you think is the biggest thing you still need to kind of figure out? Um, I think a little bit. There's always a little bit more in my driving. I think I can do better. Uh, it's really just a lot of little things, just like a little bit in my driving. Because F3, like the whole grid is just, it's all separated by just one second. All 30 drivers are within a are within a second. Wow. So first place and second place might be like, they might be separated by like a few hundredths. And I could be, if you're like three tenths off, then that means you're probably like P10 through 12. Like, it's really like hardcore. So if you make one little mistake, then that's really it for you. I mean, uh, I-, so I think, I think that, um, a little bit with the car, like with the setup, like you can, Probably a little bit of that, and then some of my driving. I know I can do better in my driving. So I know that, um, I, I mean, does it get frustrating for you? I mean, are you kind of at a point where it's like, man, you know, I, I know in my heart I can do this, but, you know, I I feel like I need to just kind of break through the barrier somehow. Um, I mean, I, I imagine it's got to be um, just a, kind of a massive emotions between being in a foreign country where you're not used to being and traveling to all these new tracks and trying to get used to all these new drivers. I mean, that's got to be mentally very challenging for you. Yeah, it's pretty challenging. Like mainly with like the mentally part. Yeah, it's pretty challenging, but um, I think it's just all about putting it together really. Cause there's a lot of, as you go up in the ranks, there's limited run time too. And you only get like I don't know, and with the Pirelli tires, you only get I think four push laps in practice or like five push laps in practice. Okay, wow. And then, yeah, so be like only five laps of practice, and then you do uh, two laps in qualifying, like two push laps in qualifying, and then that's it. So you really have to try and like step up your game really quick, and that's part of that's part of what's hard on the tracks that you don't know wow. and aren't familiar with. Yeah, I can imagine that's, uh, like I said, that's got to be really difficult. Uh, so uh, we talked about Nico, Jason Alder. Um, you guys have had a bunch of really talented racers at VRD, and now you got Sam Corey, who I just found. I don't know how I missed this when it happened, but he won again at Road America. Um, second yeah. win of the year for Sam. He's really coming along. Noah Ping, you guys have really, how do you, where does all this talent, do you guys go out and recruit, or where does all this talent come from? Because I feel like it's year after year, just a, you know, just a bunch of really talented and humble young drivers. Yeah, I think um, most of them come from karting. Uh, come from karting or, like, some other type of race car. Like, me and Sam have been buddies for a super long time. Like, we were teammates in karting for a little bit. I remember oh. him when he was, like, like two feet tall. <laughs> uh, trying to go against me, but yeah. So, me and Sam have me and Sam had some good times. Um, I didn't know Matt very well, but I raced against Matt a couple of times in karting. Matt Christensen. Yeah. Um, Nico, I didn't know until he came to VRD. Okay. Um, and then Noah, I'd never heard of Noah before he came to VRD either. Interesting. Yeah, um, but we all get along really well. 
Yeah, it's it's great to see that too. Um, and you know, like I said, it's just a great team. And uh, we've had Sam on a couple times. We'll be back to wrap this up with Hunter right after this. Hi, I'm Jesse Love, and you're listening to Lead Lap Radio. Jesse Love gets himself another ARCA Series win on the dirt, um, of all things. Jesse is an excellent dirt track racer and uh, picked up the win over the weekend on the dirt uh, in the ARCA Series. That uh, race marred by a nasty crash that, uh, boy, it's one of those where if you're watching the race like I was, um, you just uh, shiver a little until you realize the driver's okay. And uh, Buddy Kofoid was the driver who got absolutely nailed by a car coming off turn four. Uh, Buddy was stopped on the track and uh, driver had no place to go, couldn't see him. And uh, just absolutely drilled him. Um, thank God Buddy was okay. But uh, Jesse Love getting another win. We're back on lead lap with Hunter Yaney, uh, an aspiring open-wheel formula racer. Um, we were talking about VRD, the team that uh, his dad started basically for him um, when he started racing USF4 here at 13 years old, now over in Europe. He's back here just recuperating from a wrist injury he had in a race earlier this year, but uh, he'll be going back over soon enough. So um, let's talk about uh, what you got coming up, uh, Hunter. What uh, we Remind me again, um, what races are you trying to make for the rest of the season, or what is what do you anticipate with the wrist injury or schedule might be? Um, I'm trying to get back for Monza right now. Monza is my main goal okay. for getting back to racing after my wrist is fully healed or almost fully healed because um, we're trying to get back as soon as possible. So we're trying to get back to that one. All right. And then what, what would that leave you for the rest of the year after that? And what are your plans for next year? Is it a little too early to say? My next my plans for next year are to come back to F3. Um, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, a lot of things could change in between then, but my main goal is to come back for F3. Uh and just do some testing in between, trying to get ready again for next year. Because you, um, you're definitely on a on a path um, that uh, would be F1. You hope, but we all know how difficult that is to do, um, and and you know, surely don't want to minimize the work it's going to take to get there. Um, do you have a backup plan if F1 doesn't work out for you, or is it just? sort of checkers or wreckers for F1, then that's what you really want to do. Yeah, I would say the second option, checkers or wreckers. <laughs> uh, yeah, just I'm just trying to do as much stuff and everything that I can. My family's doing everything that they can to keep me racing in Europe and uh, to get to F1, trying to create like a path. We're working with some great people, um, working to get me there. So I think that everything will go well and go to plan. Well, uh, we are cheering really, really hard for you in the U.S. Um, those of us who understand the world that you're trying to uh, navigate over there know what a difficult path forward it is, and uh, I think you've done great yeah. so far. So really excited about that. Okay, we got a few minutes left. Before we let you go, we're going to do some rapid fire here. This is basically first answer that comes to your mind for the following questions. Here we go. All right. Um, what is something that you like that most people don't? Hmm. 
I guess I like a lot, like a lot of different genres of music. I think that. Okay, that's a good answer. Yeah, I, I don't know too many people your age that like Elvis, but I bet most of them haven't even yeah. ever tried uh, the brand. What characteristic are you most known for? Um, for being on track, aggressive, and off track, being really fun and just really chilled out and like to hang out. And some of the coolest pairs of socks I've ever seen. I'll throw that out there, too. Um, (laughs) When you think about success, what comes to your mind? Or, I'm sorry, who comes to your mind and why? When you think about success, who comes to your mind and why? Uh, Michael Schumacher and Lewis Hamilton. Because they're just the best of the best in F1. They've won the most championships, won the most races. And they're the best ever. Have you gotten to meet any of the F1 drivers? Um, not really many. I've got to meet a few, but not not ever really just talking to them. Okay. Yeah, I imagine it's uh, you're still kind of in a bit of a different uh, circle that you uh, travel in there. Um, if you yeah. if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be, and why? Mm. That's a hard one. We try not to make them too easy. Yeah. Um, probably nothing, really. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. I, I'm not going to uh, not going to dispute that answer, but that's a first. I don't know that we've ever had uh, anybody say nothing. <laughs> I like me just the way I am, is what uh, yeah, Hunter says. Thank you. If you had to delete, if you had to delete all but three apps from your smartphone, which three would you keep? And text and phone don't count because they come down it's standard. So if you had to delete all but three apps, which three apps are you keeping? Um, I would keep Snapchat, Instagram, and, man, TikTok because you can look up YouTube on Safari. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Okay. Um, if there was a sandwich named after you, what would be on the Hunter Yaney special? Uh, I really like a lot of my things just plain. Like, I eat plain spaghetti with no sauce or anything on it. So, it would probably just be like, I don't know, peanut butter and jelly, but just my special. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now, you said... Okay, so the sandwich would be peanut butter and jelly. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay, because you mentioned spaghetti before, and I'm like, well, that would be a really interesting sandwich combination. Um, (laughs) Peanut butter, jelly, and spaghetti. Um, Which words or phrases do you most overuse? Mm. Man. Which words or phrases do I most overuse? Uh. Um, I have a lot of them, but I don't really, none of them really just come to mind. Some of them, they just come up like when like, there's a situation at hand. Like, so I, like, I hear like, I, I hear, heard a lot of likes there. So we're going to go with that one. Okay. Real quick. Yeah, last, like. last question. If you could send a message to the entire world, what would you say in 20 seconds? Uh, hello. My name is Henry Yaney. I'm 17 years old. And I race Formula 3 cars in Europe. 
Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Hunter Ganey. There you go. Okay, and uh, quickly, you got about 10 seconds for sponsors. And then thank yous. Go. Uh, thank you to my parents. Thank you to 30 Seconds Out. Um, thank you to Defend uh, and all the people that helped me 